The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, as we preach a special message today for Father's Day. While you're turning to Ephesians chapter 6, and you can remain standing, we, we stand in honor of the word. Some of you are like, man, I've sat down and stood up more times. It's cardio church. Come on, Jesus. I grew up in the Catholic church. I can't remember. I can't count how many times we sat down and stood up. Uh, Ephesians 6, while you're turning there, the uh, firefighters have needs. If you want to participate in assisting and helping them, they need cotton socks and underwear. Now, you know what that tells you? They have no laundry. That's what that tells you. I'm not going to ask you if you've ever been there before. But these guys are working real hard. Cotton socks, underwear, and uh, individual lunch coolers. And uh, you can drop them off here at the church, and we'll be sure that they get that uh, and assist them with that. You say, what size underwear? Got no idea. Just be led by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Amen. Uh, Socks are pretty easy. You know, you just go from 9 to 12 or whatever. That ought to do it. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. You ready? Here we go. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Everybody say that. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. That it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Verse 4, final verse. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Or another version says, do not exasperate your children. But bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank and praise you for what you're going to do, what you've already done. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to get to get to preaching clocks running away with the, with us, and I want to be certain to be sensitive of your time. We had a membership class, and uh, we do believe in church membership, and because we believe in covenant and. Um, It's not that everybody has to become a member, but we encourage it. You find out about our doctrine, where we're going, where we've come from, find out about the vision of the church. And we had some folks go through that on Friday. And one of the points in that membership class that we had last Friday discussed about honor and about why we call our pastors pastor. In other words, when I introduce myself, I say my name is Pastor Daniel Bracken. I don't just say Daniel Bracken. Now, in some churches, that's fine and that's good. We're excited about that. But the reason we don't do that here is because we endeavor to build what's called a culture of honor. And I'm, I'm not just somebody. I'm, I'm a pastor. I have a bestowal. I hold an office of pastor. And so that's one of the ways that we try to create honor. I love the story uh, that Dr. Morocco has told over the years where his little daughter at that time, she's one of the pastors on staff, now Janelle, was being uh, you know, watched by some leaders in the church while Dr. Morocco and his wife went out to uh, a date, had a date that night. And so they asked Janelle, they said, Janelle, what do you call your daddy? We call him pastor. And she said, oh, I call him pastor too. And they said, oh, really? What does your mommy call your daddy? 
Oh, she calls them stupid. <laughs> now, that in no way reflects who Pastor Colleen is, but there probably was a time in the home when that might have slipped out or something. We're not in it for ego here to have to be called something, but we are in to honor. And the reason we are into building a culture of honor is because God is into a culture of honor. And he talks about it right here in this text and in many other places. Father's Day is a great time to talk about honor. Because honor has been lost in our culture. By and large, it's been a great assault on honor. And people are no longer looked at as people, really. Many are looked at people as things. And it should not be that way. People are not looked as people to be loved, but as, as things to be had or even taken advantage of. And so honor needs to be restored. And so a message on this Father's Day called Honor Modeled in the Home. I want you to say that. Honor Modeled in the Home. So where do we begin to restore the concept of honor? How does that, how do we see our nation come back to God and see honor restored in our country? Honor restored even in the nations. Honor restored even in your home. Well, the first way is it starts with God being honored. We have to learn how to honor God. One of my favorite passages in scripture is a story about this young man. He's part of the youth ministry in Moses' day. Think Joshua with his youth pastor, maybe. His name is Phineas. And, and Balaam and, and Balak come, king of Moab, hires this false prophet to speak a curse over Israel. And every time he goes to do it there in the book of Numbers, his words are turned into a blessing. And it, and it says that God, I, I cannot curse what God has blessed. Come on, somebody, anybody blessed in here besides me? Come on, you're blessed. You don't have to worry about some witch and her little cauldron. You don't have to worry about that if you're living for God. Amen. If you're not living for God, you could, if you wanted to, just get some red paint from the hardware store and paint a bullseye on your chest. And then you can wait for impact. To not live for God is a dangerous thing. But when you're living for the Lord, you'll live in the blessing of God. And you don't need to worry about the curse. A proverb says an undeserved curse is like a darting swallow that returns to its sender, returns to its nest in another version. We need to learn to honor God, though. And so, as we set up this introduction, in the Ten Commandments, the first four are about God. They're about honoring God, about loving God, the first four. The, the, the fifth commandment is, is talks about us honoring our parents. And it's, it's interesting. I'll talk about that here in a moment. But we need to learn to honor God. You honor God, but you came to church today. That's honoring God. You honor God by praying. You honor God by living for him. You honor God by opening your Bible at home and letting not only your kids see it, but your wife or, or your spouse see you reading the word, doing the word. It's one thing to read it. It's another thing to do it. <laughs> We honor God by the way that we live. We honor God by tithing today. Many of you tithe. You honor God by tithing. You honor God by giving. You honor God by being self-sacrificing. There's a lot of ways that we honor God. But if we're to restore honor in the homes and honor in our community and honor in our country, the number one thing I think in honor, not only honoring God, but understanding who you are. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you're special. Yeah, you are. 
You're special. I'm special. We are significant. You are not like a whale. You're not like a, a sea lion or a porpoise, as interesting as they are. You're very different. I am very different. You're not a chance accident in a chance universe, a product of a prince kissing a toad. That's what evolutionists would have you think. It's absolutely not biblical, and it's not true. In, first, uh, in Genesis chapter 1, and verse 26, let me read this to you. And God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. That, that's God's choice, not your choice. You're, you're, you're born either one. And then God blessed them. So we're created to be fruitful, to be multiplied. We're significant. In all that we do, we are significant. Not only that we're special, but look at, look at your notes now. Genesis 2, 27. Pardon me. Genesis 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. That word breathe is ruach. It's the breath of God. It's spirit. Very different than what happened with fish. You see, God made fish, but he didn't form fish out of, out of the dust of the ground. You and I were created, knit together while we're in our mother's womb. But when we look in Genesis at the creation of mankind, we see God scooping up some clay and beginning to work that. And he makes a human being, and then he breathes life. Amazing. And yet, if you miss that very important biblical foundation, you come up with laws like we have now that you can get closer to a whale and get in more trouble than you can for murdering a baby. You come up with laws that that are just absolutely skewed because we have undermined the very... creation of who we are. We're we're made in God's image. You're not like a dog. You're not like a cat. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're a human being. By the way, that's not a human doing. You don't have to do anything. You're still made in God's image. Now we're separated from God because of sin, but he's the one that made us and you're special and you're significant. And the result of that truth means that the way you live towards somebody else should matter. No matter how tall they are, red and yellow, black and white, we are precious in his sight. He could be dumb as a box of rocks or highly intelligent. It doesn't matter what station of life anybody's in. They're human beings. God made them. Their angels even see the face of God. And we need to honor each other because that person who you even can't stand is made in God's image. And we need to live that way. But that's been lost in our culture. Honor really starts in the home. It starts where? It starts in the home. Honor is forged in the home. Now, this is the fifth commandment. It says, honor your father and mother. And it's quoted here in verse 2 of Ephesians 6. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. In other words, it's not the first commandment. It's the first one that has a promise connected to it. And the promise is this, honor your father and mother, 
that it may be well with you and you may live a long life in the earth. Wow. See, the old covenant, the old testament, the old covenant, if children disobeyed their mom and dad, they were to be killed. Which means most of us wouldn't be here. I'd have gotten rubbed out long, long ago. Thank God for his mercy. And I'm not saying that we should restore that. We shouldn't. But the truth is, is the reason that was in effect, that rebellious children were to be stoned. The reason is, is because if you're going to rebel against your parents, you will rebel against God. Literally, parents and the Lord were, were considered connected. There's, there's, if you honor your parents, you're honoring the Lord. And so they would try to deal with that by eliminating ones that were rebellious. That's how God views honor. And I am truly glad for his mercy. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Let's look at the text. You know, for some reason, I never saw this this way. But as I studied this, it was so apparent to me. Children. Everybody say children. The apostle Paul, under the unction of the spirit, is speaking to little ones. He's speaking to boys and girls. Oh, he talks to parents after, but he's speaking to children. And that to me is astounding. It's astounding because as, as he talks directly to children, he's basically telling them, hey, God's talking to you. You know, your sons and your daughters, boys and girls, they don't have a junior Holy Spirit. God speaks to them. God gives them dreams too. And they are so significant. That he speaks to them directly and says, children, obey your parents and the Lord. And he gives three reasons for children to obey their parents. And this is right in your notes once again. Three reasons. Well, the first one is it's right. Come on, somebody say it's right. 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 The word right is related to the word righteous because it's God's way. It's the right thing. There is right and wrong. There's not ambiguity here in scripture. God very clearly states what is right and he very clearly states what is wrong. It doesn't matter what you vote on. He's clear in scripture about what is right and what is wrong. And he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord because the first thing is it's right. It's the right thing in the Lord. Years ago, I lived in Manhattan. One of the ways that drug dealers would protect themselves is by having their kids play out in front of the buildings. And they would have all their children out front with the toys and everything. And they would be, you know, right inside the lobby. And it, it was a deterrent from drive-by shootings. It was a deterrent from police officers. And they would train their kids to talk about the 5-0. They would scream 5-0 or popo. As the police came and then their parents would put their drugs up. And how many of you know that's not obeying your parents in the Lord? That's not right. It's interesting that it says obey your parents in the Lord because some parents give instruction that's not from the Lord. Three reasons. One, it's right. Two, it will go well with you. <laughs> how many of you want to have a good life? You want to have the, 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 the life and life abundant. Good. Honor your father and mother. Dishonor mom and dad. It's not going to go well. Now, this just let's put the word, the word of God aside for just a moment and just look at the empirical data scientifically. Those who dishonor their father and mother who are not honoring towards them, who don't obey their mom and dad, it doesn't go well. 
You got to teach your kids what's right. You got to teach them how to work. You have to, you have to enforce rules, regulations, and chores. Come on, all the parents, say amen. amen. And if your kids can't learn to obey you, they're going to get fired from every job they get. If they don't, you know, I was just, I watched a, a thing on, I don't know what it was, YouTube or something. Somebody sent me a link. And there was this youth who got taken down by police officer. And I know that there's police brutality. There's, they're human beings. I'm sure there's abuse, for sure. But thank God for our police. Come on, somebody say amen. Yeah, I'm sure there's some bad apples out there. But thank God for our police officers. I used to get terrified when I saw the lights behind me. Now I don't really think about it too much. <laughs> Hallelujah. <coughs> you might get that on the way home. But I'm watching this YouTube thing, and there's this, there's this girl that is flat out mouthing off in an unbelievable way to this police officer. Ripping him, to calling him a pig, saying all kinds of nastiness to him. And finally, she gets speed cuffed and brought to the ground. And the truth is... I can understand that. My dad taught me, don't you ever mouth off to a police officer. All you do is say, yes, sir. And you say, well, you're not black. No, I'm not black. But I have been in situations where I was white. I've, I've, I've experienced persecution. I don't know if you have. I have. We're like in a little bit of a white ghetto here. Well, it's a real mixture. Praise God for all the different... Look around. Look at all the different color skins and ethnic group. Praise God. Listen, if you don't like the other color skins, you will hate heaven. You're going to hate it. You're going to get there and you're going to hate it. Because there's black people, yellow people, white people, all kinds... I'm so glad. I, I, when I preach in different places in the nation, and I see some of those churches just all white people. It's the weirdest experience ever. I'm just like, man, what's wrong? And then I realize everybody's white. That's what's wrong. <laughs> How dull, lacking rhythm, all kinds. Of... <laughs> the point is, is that obviously somebody didn't teach this person to be honoring. And of course, we don't know the whole story, but I certainly have seen children who do not know how to do the right thing, how to obey. And as a result, it's not going well with them. If you don't learn to obey your parents... It, it won't go well. Now, there are exceptions. It says you'll enjoy a long life. There are these three reasons for children, and God is speaking through the Apostle Paul to children. Three reasons. One, it's right to obey your parents. Two, so it goes well with you. You want to have a good life? Learn to obey your parents in the Lord. Everybody say in the Lord. In the Lord. Number three, you'll enjoy a long life. You see... The converse of this scripture is true also. Honor mom and dad, have a long life. Dishonor mom and dad, have a short one. You see, literally, when you dishonor your parents, it shortens your lifespan. You say, you don't know what they did to me. No, I don't. And I heard one wise preacher say this. If your mom and dad abused you, well, the way to honor them is to forgive them. You say, how do you forgive unforgivable things? Through the cross of Jesus Christ, that's how. Jesus died on a cross for that horrible thing that happened to you, that abuse, perhaps. We need to learn to honor. And, and he speaks then to fathers. Look at your notes with me. 
says, you fathers, verse 4, do not provoke your children to wrath. Another version says, do not exasperate your children, but train them up in the Lord. To exasperate or to provoke to wrath, to infuriate, to madden. Here's some synonyms for you. To annoy, to irritate. I'm feeling convicted because sometimes I feel like that's my job is to irritate them. It's, it's, I figure it's like the least I could do. But you have to be careful that you don't exasperate them and make them furious. And I have crossed the line at times. But it's not good. It's bad. And I've also repented. Amen. Don't irritate them, provoke them to wrath. It says, but raise them in the training or the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The training and admonition of the Lord. You see that word, but, right there? Verse 4. How many of you got a Bible? All right, how many of you? If you don't, just look on the screen, look on your smartphone, your iPad, whatever you got. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but... But bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So if the sentence structure here, understand that when you're provoking them to wrath, you are not training them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And in fact, what you are doing, this is going to sting. Brace yourself. I'm sorely convicted as I was studying this myself. But by provoking them to wrath and, and, and infuriating them through your incessant teasing, and that's kind of what I, I've te- I'm a teaser sometimes. That actually what it's doing is it's the contrary to teaching them the word. It's contrary to raising them up in the training and admonition of God. And so what are you training them then in? What are you training them in? You're training them in the flesh. You're training them in, in wrath. You're maybe even very possibly introducing the demonic. You say, how did you get that? I know, that hurts. The God never uses anger to get you to love him ever you can never find that now he does have wrath but it was really poured out on his son jesus there's consequences but when you get all mean and big and angry over your kids to force them to do something and you blow your top you really introduce the way the devil does stuff just look at your neighbor and say well happy father's day go ahead get your neighbor Colossians 3 says, don't embitter your children. Wow. It's really a radical thing because the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Roman world. He's writing this letter to the the church in Ephesus. And really what these letters, these epistles were to be done is to be read in front of the whole congregation. So when he's reading this as being read, this letter would be read in front of the church of Ephesus. There was children there listening. So the Apostle Paul said, children. And the kids are like, he's talking to us. Obey your parents and the Lord. And then he says to the father, if that's Jesus, will you tell him I'll I'll be done here in about 20 minutes? (laughs) Then he says to the father, God bless you, no big deal. He says to the fathers, hey, don't exasperate your kids. Don't infuriate your kids, but train them up. Don't use the worldly way of training your kids. Don't irritate them. Don't provoke them to wrath. But train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that is a radical thing because the concept in the Roman world was, it's this big Latin word, and I can't remember, it begins with a P. But it basically means that fathers could do whatever they wanted to with their kids. 
And so if a kid was born and you didn't like the fact there was a girl or you didn't like the fact that it was a boy or there was something wrong or didn't look like you wanted, then you could just kill your kid and it's really no big deal. They had that right. They had that privilege. So for the apostle Paul to write a letter to this, this Roman culture, pagans and, and Jews alike, but in a Roman culture to say, hey, fathers, you can't just do whatever you want with your kids is a radical idea. I mean, it's a radical idea. And he rebukes the fathers and says, train them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Under the unction of the Spirit says, hey, don't provoke your kids to wrath. So God's speaking to us. Honor's forged in the home. If you want to create children that know how to honor, you want to see our country turn back to God and to see honor established in the church and in our community, then all you fathers out there and mothers alike, you need to learn to honor God. Number one, the first thing is honoring God. Do you honor God? He said, well, how, how do I know if I'm honoring God? Do you obey his word? Do you love him? Do you pray? Do you have a family time? Is, it, is, that, is, that, is that conviction I smell? Is it? Come on, are you honoring God in your home? Are you honoring God the way that you live, the way that you speak, the way that you pray or the lack thereof? What you're doing? You know, we've been in doing this for quite a while. We've seen families that say, you know what, little Johnny, you're going to go to church. You're going to church. The van's coming. They put the kid on the van or they drop the kid off and they go back and watch the game. Listen, I love sports. But if you're elevating the game above the meeting of the congregation of the, of the, the call, the ecclesia of God, and the game is more important than church, you're teaching your kids, you're giving them a double standard. Do what I say, not what I do. <laughs> They're going to do exactly what you do. They will do exactly what you do. You say, don't smoke. And you smoke, they're going to smoke. You say, read the Bible. But you don't. They ain't going to read no Bible. Go to church. You don't go? They'll go as long as you make them. And then the moment they get out or they're able to get out of your house and get away from the helicoptering, do as I say, not as I do, they are no longer going to go. Unless, of course, God gets a hold of their heart and thank God for our children's ministry and thank God for what's happening with kids where parents are not honoring God. But we need to honor God. Do you honor God? Ask yourself that question. Is God foremost in your home, in your life? Is he what you think about the most? What does that have to do with anything? Very simple. Your God is what you think about the most. I'm going to be right back and encourage myself for a second. Amen, pastor. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> what you're thinking about the most is what you're worshiping. So if it's money, then you're worshiping money. An idol of money or mammon. If it's women, and women, men. All right, I think you got the idea. Do you honor God? Number two, do you honor and respect your spouse? You see, you show, you, you show your children honor by honoring your spouse. Another way to honor your kids is you honor your spouse. Do you honor your spouse? Say, well, she don't understand me. Now, yeah, no lie. That's probably true. Because <laughs> you're unusual, dude. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Men are different than women. We've talked about that. You know, I remember when my son was three and a half, we were sitting and uh, we had just gotten uh, some fast food and McDonald's, I think it was, and 
Hannah and mom, well, they went to go use the restroom, which is not all that uncommon. Amen? Ladies, you haven't used the restroom more than guys do, I think. Anyway, they went to the powder of their noses. My son's three and a half. He's sitting behind me in a car seat, and he's, he can talk. He's got his fries. We're eating fries. I like ketchup on my fries, and guess what my son likes? I like ketchup on his fries. All he says from the back seat is, Dad. That's all he says. I knew the rest of the sentence. Dad, I need some ketchup, please. He just said, Dad. And I knew he didn't have any ketchup. I knew I needed to open a packet of ketchup, and I needed to turn it back, hand it to him, and he's going to put ketchup on his fries just like his dad does. And all he said was, Dad. Men, we can talk to each other with, without words. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, come on, Lance, where are you at? It was like, What's up? Yeah, that's good. Awesome. That's it. We just had a deep, meaningful conversation right there. That is not how it is with women. When, when, it, when, they, when you're talking to your spouse, they want to hear, are you mad, sad, or glad? Feelings. How are you feeling? Everybody say feeling. Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. For all you 70s lovers. Was that Neil Diamond? How are you feeling? That's what they want to know. They don't want to hear how was worse. Good. When a lady will tell you, how was, you know, how was your day, honey? Well, I got up a little bit late for the alarm and I got my toast out. You know how I like my toast. And that toaster had been asking you to fix it. And it got, I burned my toast again. Can you fix it? To, anyway, it was good. I was talking to the Lord and then I went and got in the car. And it's like, it's exciting. It's a whole novel. It's, a, it's awesome. Praise the Lord. Men and women are very different. <laughs> Sir, on Father's Day, are you honoring your spouse? You do that by listening. Right. I have, we have a secret trick in my home. As you know, I'm the pastor of the church here, and along with a great team. Wonderful vision. But sometimes when I'm sitting in my chair of revelation at my house, my wife will call my name three or four times. Honey, Daniel, after about four times where for some reason I'm just not able to hear her. But I'm blessed because she'll use my, my, uh, my, my title. She says, Pastor Daniel. I'm like, yes. And then she'll tell me what she said already five times or four times before that. Listen, you'll honor your spouse by listening to them. Husbands, you honor your wives by being like Christ to them. People have an unusual concept of headship. I need to preach on women in ministry because we need to stick a fork in that thing. Somebody needs to just clean the head right off of that lie. And uh, I'm, I'm fixing to do it. I've been working on it. Not quite there yet. I'll get back at it. We'll, we'll get after that soon. Headship. Women are to submit to their husband. It doesn't mean that you're a doormat. It doesn't mean that he gets to walk over you and do whatever he wants to and that you're to be his slave in every... That is not a biblical concept. There's a, a mutual submitting and yielding to another. And I'll tell you what headship means. Headship 
is basically the servant of all. You want to be the head? Then actually, you're the one that's to be crucified. So just die to all of your, your own passions and desires and serve like Christ served. He didn't, he didn't open his mouth like a, like a lamb as silent before its shears. Jesus, help us. Come on, men, ask for help. We need help. And that doesn't mean you're a dirtbag either. It means who's the greatest among you is the servant of all. Amen. That was a weak amen. All the ladies said, amen. Praise the Lord. Do you honor your spouse? Do you, do you honor and respect your spouse? And, and ladies, don't, don't be the fourth part of the Trinity. Don't tell your husband. I love that story. I was a friend of mine, an acquaintance, really. He was in marriage ministry. And he would... Now, these, this jacket doesn't have its pockets open, but... He constantly had his hands in his pockets, this preacher, when he preached. Constantly had his hands in his pockets. All the time, he's preaching with his hands in his pockets. Wife drove his wife up the wall. Because in her home, you don't walk around and do public speaking with your hands in your pockets. And so she's just like, man. And she would tell him, take your hands out of your pockets. Take your hands out of your pockets. And he'd be like, he'd take his hands out. And then a few minutes later, but it was his jacket. Drove her because it was his jacket. He put his hands in his jacket pocket. A few minutes later, he's preaching. He's got his hands in his jacket pocket. This went on for years. And she'd constantly tell him, honey, you look like a fool. Take your hands out of your pockets. And he said, I'm trying, you know. And she'd pray for him and stuff. They're in a service one day. And he's walking back and forth preaching. God's touching people. And she is so infuriated that this guy has got his hands in his pockets again. I mean, how many times does he have to be reminded? And he says, she says, Lord, please talk to him. And the Lord says, it doesn't bother me. And she's like... his pockets and the Lord says it doesn't bother me and yet for some 10 or 15 years they had strife in their marriage because she's constantly demanding that he does that listen ladies if you build up your husband and respect him and and honor him then he is going to basically think you hung the moon And he's going to do whatever he can to bless you. It's just the way men are kind of like the Lord. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. You start blessing and honoring your husband and you'll find he listens better. My wife does a good job of that. Sometimes I'm just thick-headed. Come on, fellas. Ladies, you getting this today on Father's Day? Learn to, learn to speak lovingly and, 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 and bless your husband. Res- men want respect. If they don't have respect, they have a hard time giving the love that you need. Ladies, you want to be loved. You want to be nurtured. Men, we're interesting. If we don't get respect, we have a hard time giving the love that you need. And the converse of that is true also. In fact, we have a class called Love and Respect. Ladies, if you don't get the love you need, it's hard to give the respect that your husband desperately needs. And if you take a survey across the world, what does a man want most? Love or respect? If you were to separate the two, a man will say, every time I want respect. Not so with a woman. They want to be loved. They want to be nurtured. We're different. We honor each other by loving, 
respect, respecting and honoring each other. Can you say amen? amen. Here's the scripture. First Peter 3, 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to your wife. It goes on to say that, that your prayers may not be hindered. Did you know you can hinder your prayers by not honoring your spouse? Do you honor your children? Right there, number three. Now, you can give them unreasonable commands, and they can then not do that. How many of you know a five-year-old can't carry a hundred-pound package? So if you're asking a five-year-old to carry a hundred-pound package, that's not reasonable. And it's not honoring. And it causes them to be frustrated. There are times when if they can carry something and they're flat-out rebellion, then you need to learn to bend their will to yours. If you don't learn to bend your kid's will to the will of the Lord and, and to the will of your command in a loving, Christ-like way, then your kid will be self-willed and run riot and crash and burn all over the place. They need to learn to submit. For a while, and I heard this from somebody else, but I liked it. They said, you know, I make my kids eat green vegetables. Well, that's good. And we serve vegetables occasionally, especially when they were younger, not so much now. And, you know, there's the spinach or the broccoli or whatever your kid hates. But you didn't know they hate it until you serve it. In other words, you're not willingly making them eat food that they hate. But you serve something, there it is, the green pile of whatever it is. And they're like, yuck! You know I heard a guy say this, and I, I, we just did it a few times. We'd make their kid eat it. I don't mean force-fed. I mean command them. You're going to eat the spinach. I hate it. Tough. So that's abuse. So why would you ever do that? Because if a kid can't learn to put their flesh down, then you're going to end up doing dope or smoking drugs and doing crazy stuff. If you can't learn to push yourself away from everything that just pleases you, then you're going to be in trouble. And your kids need to learn that. All right, I'm getting through somewhere to somebody. Almost done. The torture is almost done. Come on, somebody say, do you honor your children? Are you cruel? Are you harsh with them? Do you humiliate them? Do you honor others? Heidi, would you come? Do you honor others? You see, um, I've heard before about how especially uh, pastors have had really horribly rebellious children. And that is not the case with me. My kids love God and they're wonderful and I'm so thankful for that. They're kids though. Many times in churches across the land, pastor's kids have been the worst. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. Not always, but frequently. And I know why that is. Because I've done a little, I've done autopsies spiritually to find out why is that, that pastor's kids are in some cases the worst. And the reason is, in all of the surveys that I've done, now there might be some other reasons, because the pastor is a hypocrite. He says one thing on Sunday and does a total another thing on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday stands up again and says to do the same thing, preaches the word, maybe even with, with fire and power, but at the same time, Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. You gotta, 
you got to honor and respect others. So we, some, some folks will drive out of here and just be so bent out of shape that I've talked about women and how they have to go to the bathroom more often than men. I can't believe that chauvinist, bald headed. I'm never going back to that place. For the love of God, not going back there. And you know something else? I saw and just rip people up one side, down the other, and then right in front of their kids, right in front of their kids, and expect actually that their kids are then going to have, if I could use me as an example, then going to have respect and honor for for Pastor Daniel. Will never happen because you don't honor and respect. Now that's not the case. I feel very honored and respected here. It's perhaps a bad illustration, but don't be a hypocrite. Honor others. Bless other people. Serve. Can you say amen? Don't tear people down with your mouth. Build people up. Don't speak as though speaking the very words of the Lord. Look at B. We're almost done. No matter what culture you come from, we must embrace the importance of honor. No matter what culture you came out of, embrace the culture of honor. It's, It's God. Some cultures are more honoring than others. It's true. You know, I oh, I might get in trouble, but what else is new? Um, I, I preach in other places, you know, and um, on occasion I have the, the privilege of preaching to all black folks or all white folks, and we're a mix here. But I'm going to just tell you, when I'm preaching in an all black church... God shows up in those churches like like he doesn't in some other churches. Can I say it that way? You know why I'm convinced of that? I, I showed there's a number of churches that I go to and when I go there, I mean, you'd, you'd, think, you'd think some royalty showed up. You'd think that the most important person on the planet came. You'd think it was Jesus came to go preach to them. I mean, it's a red carpet. They're tripping over themselves to help and to bless. I mean, everything is just this culture of honor, almost so much that it's made me uncomfortable at times. And then I watch what God does in those services. It's unbelievable. Power of God. Miracle signs. And what? why is that? Because through honor flows life. And I've been in other places, but that's, people don't greet you. There's no, you know, it's just like, uh... I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about a culture of honor. We want to have God move in our... How many of you want to see greater miracles in your life? Good, learn to honor. Cultivate it in your home. Cultivate it in your small group. Cultivate it in your community. Learn to honor each other. Hold doors for ladies. Be generous. Love your spouse. Love your kids. Can you say amen? Bless your leaders. We need to embrace the importance of honor. And it starts in the home. Lastly... Last point here. Dependence and independence spectrum. I'm almost done. Kids don't know anything when they first come in the earth. I was just at the hospital. I was there for a while this morning praying and believing for, for great healing for Birgit. And, and she's stable now. She's in ICU. We pray for her right now. That you would completely heal her and raise her up with a powerful testimony yet again. Lord, and we thank you for little baby Liv, L-I-V, that's the name of their baby, beautiful baby. And as Dan was holding his precious newborn, not even a day old, I thought, my gosh, totally dependent, 
totally dependent on, on the hospital, totally dependent on, on, on Dan. And soon on her mother for food, for diapers, for everything, totally dependent. And then as they grow up, you know, you, you help them to walk, but then they're... Do you ever see a parent who never puts their kids down? Will never put their kid down. They don't learn to walk. I've seen a kid that was bow-legged because it was constantly on the mother's hip because mom would not let their kid walk. And so that a year old, 18 months old, still can't walk. And it's not anything, it's not, there's not a problem other than he's never had an opportunity to practice. How many of you know your kids are going to walk, but then they're going to trip and fall? Right, so the dependence, independence spectrum, they're babies and they start growing and you feed them and they start walking and soon they're walking to the to dad or mom or the brother or sister and before you know it, they can run. They get into the, into the twos and you're, you're instructing them. I had to make every decision for my two-year-old. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and my three-year-old and my four-year-old and my five-year-old and my six-year-old and my seven-year-old. Now seven, they start getting it. Their personalities form. They, they start trying to learn to make choices. Seven, eight, nine, ten. You got to let go a little bit. You got to let them walk. You got to start making them, help them make decisions. Don't let them walk off a cliff. Teach them about discernment. Teach them about friends. I've picked every one of my kids' friends. I've picked every single friend my kid has. Now, Hannah's a young woman. She's learning to pick her own. While I look over her shoulder. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But she'll be out of my house in two years. And she'll go off to school, maybe, or she'll, she'll, she'll do out whatever the Lord leads her. That's what we're believing for, amen, for God's plan. And then she's going to have to pick her own friends. The things that many people don't understand is between the ages of 15 and 18 years old, the synapses of that child are not connected. That's why many teenagers do things that really destroy their lives. So during that period of time, you better be very connected to your kid. And it's hard to be 15 to 18 and think you know everything. How many of you know that's a hard life? You think you know everything. In fact, you don't. But you think you do. It's called deception. Their synapses are not connected. Their their brains are not fully formed. When I was a kid... Between those ages, I was just slick and cool and could tuck the right story, at least I thought it was, could say the right thing at the right time, and I had my family fooled. And I didn't have anybody looking over my shoulder, and I made choices that affected my life, even still to this day, praise God. Praise God for His mercy. But there comes a time, this dependence, independent spectrum, that you need to let them, let them go. And when you let them go, have you trained them to honor? honor God, to honor people, to love, have you trained them to love church, or did you watch the game? Have you trained them to tithe? Did you train them to pray? You know how you train them to pray? You pray. When every great man and woman of God, they all say the same thing. I remember looking through my parents' door at three in the morning when I went to the bathroom that kind of thing with my mother weeping before the Lord praying out for me and my brothers and sisters weeping in prayer guess what they end up doing they end up doing the same thing we need to we need to have a culture of honor and honor is modeled 
in the home. How are you doing? Check yourself. How are you doing? Come on, just ask the Lord to show you. I've had to repent. I repented this morning. I'm sure I'll repent again. Lastly, respect and care for your parents, your parents. We have, I see Becky out there. God bless you, Becky. Becky goes with a team of people. And um, where's Carol? I saw Carol. Hi, Carol. Would you guys stand just right where you're at? It's Becky Day. It's her dear sister, Carol. They lead the Pioneer Home, Pioneer Retirement, Veterans Retirement Community Church of ours, Casey, in a retirement community in Palmer. How was service? It was good. And, and Becky and the team over there just lead right over here, right down the street, another retirement community. How, how was service over there? Now, I, I've been told that sometimes kids don't even visit their parents. Am I right? And so here they are, 70, 80, and 90 years old, and they're in a retirement community, and, and you have family members that don't even come to see them. Don't ever do that. Just, just don't ever do that. Thank you, ladies. It's one of the reasons we're in those retirement communities because God spoke to me seven years ago, actually, through my mother. Shock, shock. Imagine that. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. She said, she said, son, you need to get in the community. Get in the retirement community because these folks got one foot on a banana peel and one in the world, one in the kingdom. You know what I mean? Some of them aren't saved. Get in there. God opened up a way. I started this by myself with uh, two other folks. We opened that. I did it by myself for a little bit. Carol began to help. And that is a flourishing community of elderly people that worship and praise the Lord on Sunday morning in that place. Do you know God, God's blessing? One of the reasons God's blessing us so profoundly here is because of that. Right there. People vote on euthanasia and all that. No, we're supposed to honor our parents. Listen, some of you need to get on your phone the moment this is over and call dad or call mom and tell them how, how thankful you are or send them a gift or send them money or send them cash and bless them. Come on, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. It's a culture of honor. And remember, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. And the way that you treat your parents... I see people repenting all over right now. You're starting to get it. The way that you treat your parents, you will be treated, sir, ma'am. That's the way it's going to roll for you. Come on, I'm done. Stand up on your feet. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, thank you for today. And Lord, we stand before you so thankful, so grateful for your word, a lamp unto a feet, a light upon our path. Holy Spirit, come. I pray healing for all that have been wounded by absentee fathers, those who have been wounded by perhaps the alcoholic dad that came home and they were terrified, even running into hide so that they wouldn't be wounded, or the fear that tried to grip different ones because of the abuse that took place at homes. Lord, heal now. <coughs> heal them now. And Lord, we as men of God, as fathers and, and even mothers today, We would honor you in our homes. We would honor our spouses. We would honor our children. We would teach them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We would not exasperate them. Oh, God. And we would honor our own parents. 
and we would cultivate and even model a culture of honor in our homes and in our church because if we'll do that we'll live a long life it'll go well with us and it just is the right thing so help us to teach our children and to model and do all of these things according to your pattern we thank and praise you in Jesus name every head bowed every eye closed you're not right with God you want to repent today you want to ask him to forgive you today just a moment longer service is over want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment to him if that's you just slip your hand up all across this place want to get right with God God bless you see that hand I see those hands God bless you thank you for your honesty anybody else raise your hand you want to get right with Jesus all right I pray this right out loud just pray with me say dear Jesus come on right out loud dear Jesus forgive me of all of my sin thank you for dying in the cross for me thank you for rising from the grave for me come into my heart and come into my life be my Lord and be my Savior wash me and cleanse me and make me new thank you for loving me thank you for hearing my prayer Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray. Fill, touch, break every bondage, break every chain. Release your grace upon us. Fill us with your spirit. Lord, and use us in this great end time harvest. God, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. May we honor you and honor each other. And we see your power released in our church and in our community, even as never before. We thank you. And we praise you. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. God bless you. Hope to see you tonight. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.